Simmons on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. What? Hey, welcome to the show. This is to get you happy on hour. 93.7 The Ticket. I'm your host, Ricky C. Simmons. Man, look here. We're going to have some fun again tonight. Before we get started, though, I want to talk to you about something that's very important. And it leads up to our guest, actually. Positive mental attitude. Positive mental attitude is a full-time job. I don't think people realize just how difficult that can be sometimes. Because unfortunately, we live in a society that everybody has the right to think and do what they feel. But I always promote positive mental attitude. If you don't get anything else, remember that. Positive mental attitude. And it's not easy, but it can be done. And I have to work on it every single day. So don't forget, positive mental attitude. And you know, I think it lays the foundation for the rest of your life. It definitely lays the foundation for me on a daily basis. And that's why I'm always focused on the positive. You know, with all the unique things going on in our society, I feel like the best way to deal with it is through positivity. Now, that may sound a little cliche to a lot of people, and a lot of people may not even agree with it, but I actually believe in that, and it has helped me tremendously. You know, I have a guest tonight, and I'll be honest with you. He is the best example I can think of of positive mental attitude because I'm going to let him tell you, but I'm going to be honest with you. He has to have that or he wouldn't be who he is. Dr. Lawrence. (laughs) Chatters, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Hey, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show. I am doing wonderful tonight. Well, you know, I, I got to say thank you again for, for being willing to come on. But uh, I got an audience that would love to hear how everything came together for you. I'd like to start off with, where did you grow up? So every time people ask me that question, it's a tough answer because why is that my father was in the air force oh okay okay military military we traveled around a lot of different places so i actually was born in new mexico then i moved to north carolina then i moved to florida then i moved to germany and then i finally moved to nebraska and that's where i've been (laughs) ever since so wow it's a it's a loaded question when people ask me where are you from right so you you uh you you went to high school in nebraska i did i actually went to high school here in nebraska in bellevue and i graduated from bellevue west yeah okay okay yeah and now all that traveling had to had to be quite an experience for you because you you didn't really get a chance to settle anywhere very long until you got back to Nebraska. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Now, I have a question. This question here is a loaded question too. Okay. But after all of that moving around, yes, you started going to school. Where did you first go to college at? So I first went to college uh, in Fremont, Nebraska, at a place called Midland. Midland and Fremont. And that's okay. where I was all four years for college. So I um I had a great uh, you know, college time. I mean, I joined a lot of different organizations mm-hmm. and I really found myself in college from a developmental perspective and got to meet a lot of people from across the state and even across the country. And my roommate actually, fun fact, uh, was from Uzbekistan. And I'll tell you what, seventy five percent of the people listening to your show right now have no idea where Uzbekistan is. Including me. Okay, so it's actually in Central Asia, and so it's one of the former uh, Soviet uh, republics. Uh, so, but you know, yeah, my roommate was from Uzbekistan, and so we ended up in that place, and 
you know, he was there for four years. So was I, but, uh, that was part of my experience going to college was having an international roommate and having to really come to terms with that, you know, the difference in our culture and everything else. So that was unique. Was that tough for you or it was tough the first year. I mean, he was a very, um, unique guy. Um, from a religious perspective, he was different from me. He's Muslim. Um, and so that was different. I'd never really been around a lot of people from that faith uh, growing up, grew up around a lot of Christian people. Um, he was, you know, didn't necessarily speak English fully. And so was always really asking me for support in that respect. Um, but I was happy to provide that. And he wasn't a big talker either. And so we would just sit in the room for hours at a time. And this is before there were phones to look at or anything like that. Right, right. And we just wouldn't really talk. And so (laughs) at the end of the uh, first semester that I was rooming with him, I was ready to change rooms because like we just were not communicating. He would leave the window open year round and I was super cold. So anyways, funny, funny stuff. But anyways, we're still best friends to this day. So you guys are still in we're touch. We're still in touch. That's and, yeah, cool. Yeah, did cool you end stuff. up staying roommates with him? We did. Yeah, we stayed, <laughs> we stayed roommates for all four years. Like we, we got over it. I started to realize that he was just quiet because he didn't speak English as well. And so he didn't okay. want to talk a lot. That makes um, sense. And then I really uh, stepped up and helped him with a lot of his schoolwork and really helped him socialize as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, you know, we became best friends. Did we he go back years. afterwards? He did. Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay. So he, he went came back over. to Uzbekistan. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So after, after that, you, you had to get more schooling. Yes. I did. Tell me about that. So after my undergrad, uh, I majored in psychology and I minored in sociology. And, you know, I always felt like I wanted to go on and get my Ph.D. And this is something I want to say to your listeners. Um, What you say to your your children, it really sticks. My mom and my dad, as I grew up and had no idea what I was going to do, they always whispered in my ear, you're going to get your Ph.D. You're going to get your Ph.D. So it really felt like it was something that I was destined to do. Even though I had no idea how to do it, and neither did they. They never sat me down and told me how I'd go about getting my Ph.D., but they always told me that I would get it. Um, So graduated from undergrad. My professors in undergrad, I I went to a really small college, and so literally I think there were like 12 of us psychology majors that graduated that year. Uh, Probably about nine of us went on to graduate school because we had great guidance. And so they had recommended a few programs. I wanted to go on to become a counselor. So I went on to get my master's in counseling psychology right here at UNL. And that's where my journey in Lincoln started back in 2002. Okay. Okay. And then after you mastered that, Yes. You kept going. I kept going. So (laughs) you got the master's. Yeah, that was, that was 2004. Uh, By the way, one of the first people in my family to get my master's degree at the time. Um, And you know, I, my first stop as a job was working at the state penitentiary. Okay. So right over there on 14th and highway two. Okay. I started working at the state pen and I was a mental health uh, professional there for about two and a half years. And what I noticed is that first of all, you know, as a young black male therapist, I was the only uh, black male mental health practitioner in the correction system, which was unique because there were a lot of guys that looked like me in the correctional system, but there weren't many people to support them. Right. Gotcha. So, I saw that and it really hurt my heart to see so many brothers behind bars, like dealing with a lot of issues. And I felt like I wanted to go back to school to get a higher level of education so that I could hopefully step in prior to them getting to that part of their journey. um, If that ends up being a part of their journey and I could provide some programming for young uh, men of color specifically to help them navigate into more successful space. Right. So I wanted them to have more like the upbringing I had, like really supportive parents, everything else, but you can't really, 
you, you don't choose your parents, right? Right, right. And so what I was seeing is a lot of them were um, dealt with a significant amount of trauma throughout the system and other issues within their communities that were causing them problems. So I wanted to go back to get my PhD so I could create programming. So 2006, I left the state pen and I <coughs> went back to school to get my PhD. Now, this is where my story gets really interesting. Okay. Okay. So I went back to school, but when I went back to school, you know, I, I again, this First person in my family going after a PhD, okay? In the history of my family going after a PhD. So when I got into the program, I thought first and foremost, just getting in was really, really awesome, which was great, but that's when the work starts, right? Mm -hmm. So I became a student. Uh, first three years of my program, I just did every class that I could, did really well. And then around 2009, that's where, again, my story gets kind of interesting because that's when I found out that my father... Uh, the person who I really looked up to who was my hero in life uh, was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's. Mm. And so, wow. you know, it was this is the guy who, like I said, you know, Air Force got up, put a uniform on every day and just was, you know, my absolute hero and a support for our family. And he was diagnosed. And so that really set me off in a unique way in thinking about how short life was. And right. what I would say is that my PhD program gave me enough flexibility to really start to pursue other things that I wanted to do in life. Um, including one of the things that I love to do was DJ. And so, um, you know, I started DJing again more heavily. I think I was really just dealing with that, um, grief that I was experiencing. So I was right. DJing, I was DJing downtown and I was DJing at this bar called main street. And, Main Street back at the time, like 2009, was like a really busy place. It was like the college hangout. And so I, I DJed there, and the owner of that place was wanting to sell the bar. And so being in the DJ position I was in and being that I would brought a lot of people down there to, like, have a good time and everything, he, he offered me the opportunity to buy that bar. Wow. So I bought Main Street back in 2011, and I was also in a Ph.D. program. Remember, I was telling you since 2006, right? Right, right. And so, anyways, bought Main Street. That whole thing changed my life because, of course, owning a bar is a full-time deal. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So, um, I'm getting a Ph.D. Um, I own a bar. 2013 comes around. I actually bought a second bar downtown because the first bar was going really well, right? Okay. Still in my Ph.D. program. Still kind of trying to, like, chase, you know, making money and different things like that dealing with my father's situation. And so the PhD kind of took the back burner for a few different business opportunities for a little bit. So if anyone's listening to this show out there and you're working on a PhD or any degree that you're working on, let me tell you this. There's only one date on your diploma, and that's the date that it was completed, right? Because if people saw how long it took me to finish my PhD, they might wonder, what, the, what took <laughs> what you happened? so long, right? Yeah, right? But anyways, fast forward through the bar ownership, um, and a number of other things that I had done in the community at the time, you know, trying to really, you know, just lift up community in a positive way. 2018 rolls around and I finally graduate with my PhD. It took me 12 years to wow. finish it. Still, okay. congratulations. Yeah. Man. And I'll tell you what, it wasn't because I couldn't do it. It was because I got so distracted with other things in my life and I had a lot of other things going on. Uh, I have two daughters. So my first daughter was born in 2004, right before I started working at the state pen. My second daughter was born in 2008. Um, and so having a family, having a business, all the rest of this stuff, and then still trying to finish a PhD in counseling psychology, wow. it was tough, you yeah. know, yeah. but there were some things that really pulled me through when, you know, I considered quitting. And I wanted to talk about that today too, because I know there's a lot of people who are thinking about quitting a lot of things right now. 
Oh, you're yeah. thinking, hey, I can't do it. You know, like if if I give it up, you know, it's just going to be easier. But one of the major reasons that I finished my PhD is because what, the, and I'll just tell you this quick story. I had a guy who's currently um, a PhD student at Cornell. He's a kid that I mentor. Um, and he was doing some exercise stuff with me because I had a bit of a health journey and issue along the way too. Okay. And I was working out at the campus rec and I saw this sign on the window and it said, before you decide to quit, remember why you started. Okay. That's a good point. And when I thought about why I started my PhD program, first person in my family to do that, uh, you know, thinking about, you know, all those young men that I wanted to help that I'd worked with at the pen and everything else, man, I just couldn't quit. I couldn't quit. Yeah, and and right. then, I, and then I had these two daughters and my wife who had committed so much time and effort and all of my, my professors and all the people I work with in my program. I was like, I can't waste all this time and not have anything to show for it. Correct. And you're heavily and so, invested. Exactly. I was heavily invested. I mean, I thought pretty hard about quitting and, you know, I actually went to my mentor at the time who, you know, um, and I really tried to create a compelling argument for why I wanted to stop. <laughs> he wasn't buying it. This mentor, his name is Dr. Jamie Williams. Absolutely. Okay. And my teammate. <laughs> yes, right. Exactly. So he he said, I took my I took that argument to him. I told my wife, I said, I'm gonna go in here and tell Dr. Williams that I'm ready to quit. I'm done with this. I don't need a PhD. I am who I am without it, right? I went and I told him that. He said, No. He said, No, you can't quit. He said, let me tell you something. He said, there's going to be so many doors that open for you when you finish this PhD. It's not going to be funny. And so I left dejected, feeling like, man, you know, my whole plan to take this huge weight off of my shoulders was going to be, you know, unfortunately not work because Dr. Williams told me I couldn't quit. <laughs> he wouldn't let you quit. He wouldn't let me quit. He's not a quitter. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. He's not a quitter. Oh, absolutely. And so, I mean, so anyways, I went back to the drawing board, talked to my wife. I said, hey, I'm going to go to the library every single day. After I get out of class, after I get out of work, and I'm going to finish this this dissertation. Dissertation is such a dirty word to some people because there's a lot of people out there that are ABD, which means all but dissertation, right? <laughs> They've gotten through their programs, but they haven't finished that big paper right. that, that is like the abyss, right? So I finished that. I graduated in 2018. And then after that, the rest is history. Wow. Hey, I want to take a quick break, if we can. And then I want you to come back and I want you to tell us some more stuff. I got more questions. Don't All think right. I don't. All right. Hey, don't you guys go anywhere. I got Dr. Lawrence Chatters here. And, hey, we're going to discuss some more of his things. 93.7, the ticket is to get you happy on hour. We'll be right back. <laughs> 